Welcome to the Women Who Talk podcast. This podcast will feature a diverse group of women discussing and debating everything. The women who appear on this podcast are from various racial, economic, marital, social, and age groups. I'm your host, Tracy Stansel. I live on the south side of Chicago. I am a wife, a mother, and I'm an accountant. Today, we are joined by seven amazing women. We have Anne, Angela, Julie, Kirsten, Sheila, and Siglinda. Anne, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, this is Anne, and to balance this, I live on the north side of Chicago. I also have um, children, they are grown. I work full time in housing. And I think that was it. Angela. Hi, I'm Angela. I am middle aged. I currently live on the south side of Chicago. I also live uh, what some people might call downtown in the Streeterville area. I am happily uh, married and a happy mom of two college age boys. Young men. <laughs> and I'm a technology, I work in technology. Julie? Hi, this is Julie. I'm a mom of two who are, one's out of the nest and one's almost out. Um, I am a white, married, um, education activist, writer, slash stay-at-home mom. Kirsten? Been in Chicago many years. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Kirsten. I am a African-American woman from the south side of Chicago, late 30s. Um, I am a mother and a wife. Um, I am a past policy wonk turned writer and um, childhood literacy teacher. Sheila. Hey there. My name is Sheila. I'm a 49-year-old white woman who lives on the far north side of Chicago, married for almost 20 years. I um, am raising two young sons who are five and nine and uh, worked as a clinical social worker for many years, had to leave that profession when I uh, became a caregiver for a family member, and now I'm a freelance writer. Ziglinda. Hi, my name is Ziglinda. I am a goldsmith, former hedge funder, single parent of three young boys. I'm 42 years of age and uh, am of Chinese proven American descent. And I proudly, proudly reside on the South Side. All right. Um, today, our question of today is how social media is has social media affected our ability to communicate? If so, how? Let's start with Kirsten. <laughs> okay. Um, in general, I think that I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I see the good that can come from social media. I mean, obviously, I, I've observed many of the positive movements that have been generated from um, collection that have come from social media. However, I think my... My reluctance is that I think that many people default to using social media as an outlet for their stream of consciousness. And the big question becomes, <laughs> should, should everyone be privy to your stream of consciousness? And to take it a step further, 
if the answer is yes, what are the what are the consequences, right? Um, we see that many celebrities are held to the fire when they say something tongue in cheek, which if it was said in a private room, we may not take seriously. But when you have one person um, in the um, cosmos of social media who says, oh, this is a horrible thing, and you compound that with shares and retweets, then something that is said that's pretty benign can become a huge issue for people. So again, that was a bit of a ramble, a, r- a ramble, but I, I don't, I'm inclined to say that I am leery to um, dive both feet into social media because I just think that the ramifications of, of a misstep can stay with you for a long time. I agree. Um, you know, it we just don't communicate very well through social media. You know, when you're not talking to someone, you don't understand the tone of what someone is saying. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're texting, you know, it it can get blown so far out of proportion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just the young people today, they just don't even communicate well in the workplace because they, they don't have the skill setting that we had growing up because of social media everything is on a phone or a tablet they're not actually talking to one another yeah this uh, that's interesting i i, I kind of have a couple of different views about it like other people um, i have friends who have never posted anything other than pictures hi how are you i mean no sharing of controversial news stories or anything they strictly use it for you know, hi, how are you? Here's some pictures. And uh, that's really hard for me to do. I think I practiced that like for a day and it didn't last very long. <laughs> I had to say something about what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, Facebook kind of teases you by saying what's on your mind or something like that that makes you want to say what's on your mind. Um, I have become very conscious of what I put out there. In fact, I've probably told more than one member of our family to take something down because you you know you never really know the adults I mean what aspirations our kids might have or I just I just don't want there to be anything out there that someone can come back to and because in the old days if you didn't have a microphone in someone's face or picture it was just somebody said something and it was your word against theirs it wasn't in print on the other hand I personally think social media has increased the level of communication with boys and men. I never, ever remember my father talking on the phone. I never remember him having these long conversations with his friends unless they purposely went out to do it. And I love that social media, in my opinion, has increased the interaction that my guys have with other guys and people in general. I think if we really think about back about our brothers and our fathers, especially the way I grew up and uh yeah, the way I grew up, I just I think I think it's been good for boys. I do. This is Glinda and I'm I'll preface by saying I personally am a very private person and I do not have any social media 
accounts. I don't engage in that. And what I've noticed in my daily life is I find that there's little to no communication between people in the physical sphere, such as at the bus or train stop where people used to talk to one another or turn to the side and, and have a conversation. Whereas now most people are looking down at their devices and they're even, you know, on the bus or on the train or even at the airplane, airport, people have their headphones up yep. so that they close them off to any possible interaction from someone they might not know. Um, and then I think Tracy brings up a really good point. There are more monologues going on than dialogues these days. And if anything, I notice an amplification of people's need for instant gratification and the need to share with anyone and everyone. I think you're absolutely right. This is Sheila speaking. Um, I have, I think it was Kirsten who said a love-hate relationship and I, I really, res- that resonated with me because in um, my life before social media, I was always fairly private and quiet. Um, something about social media sort of ignited me. I started a blog. The blog became reliant on social media channels for exposure. And therefore, I became much more sort of plugged in in my day-to-day life. And I shared a lot over a number of years. And... Now that some time has passed, I realized that so much of what I was sharing was so high sequential, but there was this sort of drive and need to kind of feed the beast. Mm-hmm. And while much of it was meaningful, much of it was really not meaningful. And I really... Um, connect with what Glinda is saying as well in terms of how it has shaped communication. I had, um, I have a friend who has no social media presence whatsoever. We still get together regularly. I am shocked um, when I get together with her by how sort of calm and rested and non-reactionary she is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like social media has sort of morphed so many of us into becoming kind of outrage gluttons. Yes. And she just doesn't have that. She doesn't feel the need. Um, it's very restful for me to be with her. And I think spending time with her has helped me kind of cut back on my social media. Uh, you know, sometimes you do need to take a break and take a step back from social media um but i just wanted to point out something else um i read an article not too long and it was about you know what siglinda said how everybody's into their phone and the example that this person gave was was there was an uh, there was a meeting in the conference room of, of a business and the meeting got delayed and instead of having a conversation everyone was standing in the conference room waiting for the meeting to start and they were all on their phones like nobody was engaging you know yes years ago people would be talking about their families or what you know sporting events or or some they were they would be having some sort of dialogue but all these people were just standing in the conference room just on their phones just not engaging at all 
And I find that I find families doing it when they're out together at dinner. I, I see families all the time where everybody's sitting there on their phone, not engaging in conversation. And, you know, it saddens me to see that. Yes, that's a heartbreaker. Yeah, I think that that is um, heartbreaking to see. And I basically will say, and it completely it annoys my guys, I'm sure. I'll say some, some smart aleck comment like, love the one you're with. <laughs> yeah. Or something like, oh, well, do your friends want to come to come pay for this food? <laughs> I, I mean, I cannot <laughs> That's a good one. Stand it. I cannot stand it. On the other hand, I think it also kind of when I dig deep down inside of me, I'm like, well, you know, they whatever they're doing is more interesting. And I feel like I don't have a chance. It, it hurts my feelings, which is why I lash out like that. On the other hand, at work, it probably is just a testament to that you're forced to be with a certain group of people who you probably wouldn't interact with except for at work. And it's kind of a truth teller that <laughs> you don't really want to talk to people that you're standing around you know my I, I you know family member who's older is always talking to people on buses and and i just um you know and she, and, and she still does it it's funny to me and um but i you know i'm not a big you know i, I don't have anything other than facebook linkedin i don't have snapchat twitter instagram i have any of those i can't keep up it would be too much and I don't do YouTube except for to learn something. I know people who just do a lot of YouTube, and I always say, I just wouldn't walk up to a strange person and ask them a question while I'm walking down the street. <laughs> that's what YouTube reminds me of. That's what YouTube reminds me of. Like, just because you figured out how to do this doesn't, you know, and somebody might say that about our podcast, but, you know, hey. I just don't need to be, I, I don't know, I just, I'm not going to give you that credibility. I need, I need, especially if it's like someone talking about something like a research-based thing where they haven't done any research. Mm-hmm. I just, it just totally annoys me. It's an interesting thing because I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned the YouTube connection and then you referenced this podcast because honestly, you know, Tracy, I know you through social media. I would not have met you had it not been for social media, I would not That's be in right. this conversation with the women assembled here tonight, had it not been for social media and our connection. And I'm grateful for those things. Um, so I, I do see the merits in it, but I think it is a very slippery slope and some of the anecdotal stories that we're sharing give me pause in terms of how this shapes communication for humans and for our children's generation as well, who will know no other world outside of a social media um, heavily influenced world. So there's so many, I think it's here and I think it's here to stay balance and kind of plucking out what's good about it I think are going to be necessary and what's evil about it too yeah Yeah. it's like the introduction of the telephone yeah people used to sit around and talk and have dinner and come over to someone's house and go visit someone or take them something and then they picked up the telephone and said what are you doing 
it's more pronounced because it's more global and, and it's more people. You can talk to more than one person at a time, whereas a telephone is often one-on-one, but it's not a dissimilar disruption. That's true. I think the most evil part of it is bullying. I mean, you can be nasty to someone. You could just type a quick nasty sentence and hit send. And it takes away from you having the courage to go up to that person and say it to their face. I'm going to... Oh, go ahead. I was about to say, I'm going to take it... Because I I agree with what you're saying, but I'm going to take it in another direction. I think that the worst part of social media to me is that it feeds... I, I think oftentimes it we it feeds the worst parts of our ego, right? Yeah. And I think that, yes, yes. And something that so I haven't I gave up Facebook about well, almost four years ago, and it's because I got to a point where it was at the peak of like a lot of things going on with Laquan McDowell, McDowell, and I every time I posted. I had to ask myself, what what emotion am I trying to generate into the atmosphere? And if I was trying, it's one thing to inform, because I think that informing is a good thing. But if I'm sharing, sharing just for a like that I know that I'm going to get to recycle energy that is not positive I really I really I really wrestle with that and I wrestle with that in you know to the degree that I still interact on Twitter um, because I think that there's always this tension of well there's something trending I know that people already feel a certain way about this oh here's an article that supports this pre-existing opinion so let me share it so that Mm -hmm. I can get feedback and I think that that's something that I've learned. I've tried to learn to be very, very intentional about the, the the very real energy that I think is connected with what you share with the people who you're connected with on social media. And I've tried to detach myself as much as possible with feeding my own ego with the simplicity of a like or a re- retweet that I get. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I can almost always tell just based on my own behaviors uh, why uh, it's like a it's like a psychological thing for me. Sometimes you find yourself figuring out why a person posted something. It's sort of like maybe it's because it's, it's you're looking inside yourself. Yeah. You know, and you can sort of tell and then there's the, like one set of um, Facebook posts I got the other day was you know the person who writes I'm depressed I'm not gonna make it and then you're like somebody find this person and then the next day it's sort of like okay I'm going off Facebook for a little while and I literally worry about people I don't I don't I just don't want to be that person where something is really going on with a person and something tragic happens to them. I just, I felt like it, I was being manipulated a little mm-hmm. bit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And of course, there was 250 likes and right. comments. And it was just bizarre. I just, 
I did kind of find some, I kind of watched the person's page for a little while and I said, okay, they seem like they're okay, but it was weird. Yeah, was because weird you story. never know. You never know. You really don't ever really know and, what's going and on. And what needs was that individual having met? You know, what were right. they trying to get met? Did they get what they needed? Yeah, I don't yep. know. I know. I understand. I understand what you mean. It's such a, you know, I can't. I, my one of my children is thinking about studying psychology, and I think a social media <laughs> um, dissertation of some oh, type yes. would be very, very interesting because it is such a psychological playground. And I've used it myself to manipulate situations, not in the last seven or eight years, but in the beginning. Um, yeah, I, I have. <laughs> Not manipulate, but influence, let's say right. that. Um, yeah, like how do you respond when somebody posts, you know, here's to honor my mother who just died. And then you see like 400 people responding to it. I don't even know what to do with that. Or if I'm sitting next to someone on the L and they say to me, I've just had a bad day. A stranger. I feel more connected. Talking to them about a mother who just died or something who I don't even know. Well, though, because when you have that face-to-face contact, you can truly feel their emotions. Right, and yeah. I'm I'm the, the crazy and I'm the crazy lady who still talks to everybody on the L. You know, <laughs> so I do not open up, my, you know, look at my phone other than a little yeah. work email. Yeah. Yeah, and all those people are just pretending that they're <laughs> listening and looking. And the person who was just saying that they talk to people on the subway, yeah. I think that's wonderful, first of all. But do you ever get the sense, this is Linda, um, do you ever get the sense that they look at you as though you're crazy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the crazy, you know, grain white lady on the red line. Absolutely. Absolutely, especially when I'm when I'm south of um, Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. It's like seriously, you're talking to people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I find that very sad um, because I, I mean we're gifted with the ability to communicate, and yet so many people choose to hibernate and ostracize themselves when they're in public. And obviously, when you have headsets or headphones on. You're choosing to listen to your choice of, of music or a podcast or anything else or audiobook than talking with anyone that could be within, within like a three foot range around you. I you mm-hmm. know, I, I, find, I like that. I I find that I, that when I think we're so I think so many of us are so connected to our smartphones that I, I I too try to genuinely connect with people when I'm in someone's space and I think that people are yearning for that so like I mm-hmm. I don't get yeah. a lot of the why are you a small weird black girl talking to me <laughs> but I get a lot of oh wow someone actually sees me and I and mm-hmm. I find that people people react to that more times than not in a positive way and people I I think that sometimes people are waiting to be spoken to and if 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 nothing else sometimes I try to be cognizant because I'm like 
I mean, sometimes I, 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 I find myself trying to be cautious because I don't want to talk to someone who's crazy. But I mean, but I, but more times than not, I feel like people are yearning for that connection. And if you engage with them on a genuine level, they'll respond back. But that is a singular perspective. Oh, I think that's true. I, I call myself the crazy lady more than I, I think I perceive that way. <laughs> so I want to throw something out. Communic- communicating with people that you know, your family members, your children. Um, I have started, and this was, I, it was kind of out of necessity, kind of not, but I have been writing letters. I've been going old school and writing letters. Now, I could easily reach out to my children and send a long text message or an email, you know, telling them that mama loves them. But I've resorted to writing letters. And it's almost like it's therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mean, yeah. yeah. When you write a letter, there is no back and forth. Right. You get to have your say. We're so, I think, wired into that immediate gratification as well. Um, You know, there's that immediacy of social media. There's the immediacy of text communication. If someone doesn't respond to your text within moments, you know, you can start to feel slighted or worried or what's going on. That sense of letter writing... um, I just keep flashing back into my head of like an HBO miniseries, John Adams. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's conducting this incredible, you know, business of the formation of the United States of America. And it's all done by a letter writing and the patience required for that. um, That's really interesting because I don't, you know, we can start engaging in that and it's a return to what we used to do and how we used to communicate and again i'm going to say what on earth is that going to be like for our children who Mm -hmm. don't have that experience many of them you know five and ten year olds i'm raising of what it's like to sort of put a letter in the mail and wait will you get a response Mm -hmm. really interesting how that will shape things moving forward i think See, I, I think that they, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying, I, in fact, I'm, I'm saying, I think I am saying, I don't think one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. The way we feel about letter writing and talking to people on trains in person is how they feel about their social media. Agreed. It's because they don't know any, they don't know any exactly. different. They don't know any different. They don't different. know any different. Right. And it's not, they don't know any better. It's they don't know any different. different. That's correct. Just like, you know, and just like we as kids, you know, write a letter, go visit someone. No, I'm just going to call them on the phone. And I felt personal when I was talking to my friends on the phone, sitting on the floor with a long cord, twisted, you know, trying to get as far away from everybody as possible because it wasn't hands-free back then. So I, you know, I had a relationship with that. And, and I don't think they're losing anything, personally. I think there's something I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think that their skills are diminished. I I haven't heard professors saying that they don't engage in the classroom. I didn't experience that when I visited schools. 
that they were less engaging, less intelligent, less inventive. I just think it's just a different thing. It's a good point. I find um, I'm, again, in my late 40s. I have an older sister who's 10 years older than me. And she um, has been a reluctant adapter of social media. She's finally kind of dived in, uh, but it took her a long time. And she used to speak with me um, almost like a guilting mother. <laughs> like, why don't you call me anymore? We don't talk on the telephone. And I don't know about you gals, but I find telephone conversations at this point in my life sort of exhausting. And they're basically reserved yes. For, yes. for my 89-year-old aunt. Um, my, my folks are both deceased, but my 89-year-old aunt, she calls me. And my, you know, 60-year-old sister, that's it. Um, the energy that it takes, I don't know. But that said, I do not feel that the communication I have with my girlfriends or my husband is diminished because it's done via text or, you know, um, in a different manner. It's just more accommodating to my current lifestyle. Um, I'm curious if you all feel that same way. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. Hate it when the phone rings. And I'm close to your sister's age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I have to say is that during a certain time back in 2016 when things were really heated on social media, I grew up in a very small town and it was nothing like Chicago. And I, our family practically integrated the school. I'm African-American and I have a lot of friends who are completely different than my Chicago stereotypical liberal friends. And I had to take some conversations off Facebook and we actually started talking about why we were feeling how we were feeling and we did it over email and took it offline because we decided that we didn't want the conversations um, hijacked by people who didn't know us personally. Mm -hmm. And That's, it was, that, that happens it, way too often. Yeah, it was very challenging. And we were a lot less mad at each other and angry when we were doing it over email. It was, mm -hmm. it's, you know, mm -hmm. we didn't have a time to talk because it was just too much. Uh, it would have been too many conversations. But I, and, and, and there are times, and I'm sure that some of them, because I can tell by the traffic, I know that some of them since 2016-ish have taken me off of all of their feet. Like you can hide this type of message. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of glad they did because some of the people on my the Facebook feed, they're just too inflammatory, too radical. I can tell they don't have anybody in their social circle who doesn't look just like them. Absolutely. Right. Yes. And it's so embarrassing to me. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, my friends from a former life are going to see this and they're going to think I'm some, you know, ridiculous racist kind of person. And those are typically the kind of things I tell my family members, take 
upside down. Mm-hmm. I have Caucasian friends. I grew. I have very close Jewish friends. I have this. I have that. Take it down, or I'm going to start hiding posts like that. Because you can't be offending people that you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. And people are stereotyping and making these broad generalizations. It's just ridiculousness. And it just is so, it's so prejudiced. Not necessarily racist, but prejudiced against people who believe in abortion, against people who don't believe in abortion, against, you know, whatever topic it is. I had someone the other day who, who probably hide my post in this conservative <laughs> little small town say anybody who believes that what the New York, you know, uh, New York has passed related to abortions can unfriend me now. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to send her an email and we're going to have a conversation about, you know, people with different views, but I just, but that's the harshness of that. So, um, you mentioned something very interesting, Angela. You mentioned uh, a topic that I want to discuss in our podcast, and it's about our friendships, our friendships and what our friends look like. Do we have, are all of our friends people who look like us, or do we have friends who are very different from us? Um, that will be the topic of our next podcast and we're going to wrap well, this why up. Why put off tomorrow what you can do today? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to wrap up this episode of Women Who Talk. I just want to say thank you to all the ladies who joined us today and thank you to the listeners for uh, tuning in and we hope you tune in for another episode of Women Who Talk. Good night, everybody. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Yes, great to talk, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.